To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch buck? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Yo, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So today on the podcast, I have on Matt Tillotson. Uh, Matt's part of this 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 new generation of hunters that are up and comers. Uh, he's an absolute muley fanatic, and he's killed some great bucks, both with his bow and with his rifle. And I found Matt on social media. I found um, one of his YouTube videos, and uh, he went in the deep snow and killed this great buck, but just had this like next level effort. Uh, carrying a sled with all his stuff in there, and you'll hear it on the podcast, but um, just this next-level effort. And that's what it takes to be consistently successful is this this all-in attitude. And so that's really what the podcast is about today is just this, this all-in attitude, this next-level effort, and, and how it pays off, kind of the mindset that you need and getting comfortable with the mountains. Uh, and then, you know, just about the enjoyment of it, the, the embracing the adventure of it. And um, it just made for this great podcast. Uh, I really enjoyed putting it together. There's some great information in here. Matt did a superb job on the podcast. And, you know, these guys that I have on the, the podcast, I really connect with. Like I, I joke that we become instant best friends. And that's the way it was with Matt. I, I met him and had, had him on the podcast. And, um, you know, we have each other's numbers and we'll keep in touch from here on out. And just a, a great hunter and a great human being. And I, I just really enjoyed this in-depth conversation, this podcast. And I think you guys will, will really enjoy it as well. There's great muley information in here and, and just great insight into what what it takes to be consistently successful. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. We'll get right into the show. I just want to thank a couple sponsors. I want to thank Cutter Stabilizers. Uh, I really like Cutter. Um, Earl Stroll is the owner of it. He's got a partner as well. Uh, but he's built this company from the ground up. Uh, he's built these carbon fiber bars, and, and these carbon fiber bars are super lightweight. Uh, and he's evolved these bars. He's evolved his, his connection process to make these bomb-proof bars uh, that won't let you down. And um, he, he also has weights. Uh, he's got a sidebar uh, attachment on it. And, and they're just great products. And Earl's just a, a blue-collar, working-class bow hunter that came up with these designs and put his own money you know, into these projects to evolve these and come out with these products. And so uh, I really appreciate the support from Earl coming on Eastman's Elevated you know, as a sponsor. Uh, so I appreciate him, his business, and then they just have these great products. So if you're in the market for bars, they have all different lengths, the the 8-inch, the 10-inch, the 12-inch, 15-inch, and now they have a 20-inch, which I'm scared to try because the longer bars I put on, I always like my hold better, and I think 15-inch out front is about my max for running, but uh, just great bars, great products, and um, I'm running the 15-inch out front. I'm running the 12-inch in the back. I run six ounces out front and 10 ounces in the back, and that thing just holds, and, and it's also... You can affect like the reaction of your bow by changing the weights. Like if you're getting low misses, you can stack more weight on the back, you know, and then you won't miss as low just from the reaction of the bow from the stabilizers. 
uh, it's just awesome, and it's the next level of bow setups to really fine-tune your setup and get the best hold and best reaction out of it. And uh, Cutter just builds great products for it. So make sure to check them out if you're in the market for some new bars. And thanks again to Cutter for uh, their support. I know they're a, a small company with great products, and they're growing. Uh, but to step on as a sponsor for Eastman's Elevated really means the world to me. So uh, thanks to Cutter and thanks to Earl. I sure appreciate it. I also want to thank Black Rifle Coffee Company. Uh, Black Rifle Coffee Company has been keeping me alive throughout the hunting season. Uh, I love a cup of coffee. And, um, you know, I couldn't do those instants anymore, but I can do instant Black Rifle. Like, it um, it doesn't upset my stomach. It tastes really good. And so I can backpack in with these instants that you, that you add to your coffee. They also have uh, tea bags and then... Uh, their their premium coffee, like their um, their whole bean coffee, it is just phenomenal. So I'm part of their uh, membership where they send me a bag every month, and um, I absolutely love it. So not only is it keeping me alive throughout the hunting season, it's keeping me alive during all my work days as well. But just a, a great up and coming company, and for good reason. They just brew the best coffee out there. So uh, for backpacking, check out their instant and their tea bags. Uh, for everything else and just everyday life, make sure to check out their membership subscription, and uh, you can get a deal on it if you search uh, Black Rifle Coffee Company backslash Eastman's um, and go to that and put in the promo code Brian, uh, you'll get some uh, some money off your order. So thanks again to Black Rifle Coffee Company, um, just a great company and, and proud to have them on board with Eastman's Elevated as well. Um, over at Eastman's, make sure to check out our Beyond the Grid, uh, Eastman's Hunting TV on the Outdoor Channel, uh, both magazines, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal. Uh, you can get a deal on that if you put in the promo code uh, ELEVATED321. Get both magazines and an Outdoor Edge knife for $50. And uh, make sure to check out TagHub, our internet research tool. I uh, just did a podcast with Scott Reekers from Eastman's. It's this great podcast as he loves to hunt muleys and hunts them usually later in the rifle season. So I want to get this one out to you where, while we still have some seasons open out west. But uh, in that, we talk about um, just the, the research and learning units and learning different states and the opportunities out there. It's this great conversation. But but in it, we talk about Tag Hub and uh, what a resource it is for Western hunters. So uh, it, you can get on um, TagHub, our internet research tool, with just tons of information about uh, all the western states and the hunts they offer. Um, so make sure to check that out as well. And with that, man, um, season's winding down. I've just been working hard here and um, hunting hard as well. Uh, had this great muley trip early, kind of pre-rut. Um, in my home state of Montana, I'll get on and record a podcast about it here um, and just a podcast about muley season in general, but um, getting ready for another trip. Uh, I leave tonight and um, have a rut hunt. Uh, rut's been going off. I've been keeping in touch. My good buddy Dan Heverin and good buddy Dylan Ness are hunting together right now and uh, hunting a bunch of spots that we hunt together throughout the years. And um, Rut's just been fire for those guys, man. They're getting stocks and getting plays, and um, hopefully they come through and uh, arrow a, a buck or two. But um, been hearing the report for those guys, which just gets me pumped to go. And um, so, yeah, I've got uh, uh, Josiah, my cameraman's coming tonight, and uh, we're taking off and and um, doing wall tent, uh, warm camp, um, 
just got a cooler full of food, just ready to rock and roll. And um, this isn't just a weekend trip for me. I get to take a handful of days. So um, just super pumped to um, super pumped to get in some of this rut action, you know, with these bucks moving around and chasing does. And uh, it's not easy. You know, they're always moving. Other bucks are coming in. Uh, all of a sudden they'll leave the does, but uh, they're just more active where you see some of these big, giant, heavy horn bucks around and they'll they'll make some mistakes. So hoping to capitalize on that. So I've been shooting like a madman, getting all my gear ready. Uh, I'm just pumped. I mean, I'm down to, you know, this might be my last hunt of the year. I'm not sure. Um, we'll see if I head down to the desert in January. I got some other stuff going on and, uh, you know, Christmas with the family and things. But um Anyways, I, I'm just super pumped. This is a great hunt in the cold and in the snow. Uh, temperatures are supposed to drop off, and um, <laughs> I'm just pumped beyond belief, ready to send it. So uh, I'm going to get this podcast out to you guys, and um, i got to work today, get some windows in, and uh, get things kind of buttoned up, and then um, tonight I'll be on the road going for it. So um, super pumped. But uh, let's get into this podcast. It's a great one. I really enjoyed this conversation. That Matt Tillotson is a, uh, an absolute muley killer and um, has really good insight into hunting them, and I just love his all-in, go-for-it attitude. So uh, the perfect podcast here as we're getting into to, uh uh, the middle or late November and hunting rut and muley. So uh, here we go. I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. All right, I'm live here with Matt. Um, I met Matt through social media. Um, I saw his video on there, uh, which you did a heck of a job on that video. It was on a recent Idaho hunt. Uh, thanks for joining me, Matt. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so you um, put together a video for this last Idaho hunt um, that was really good. It was like documentary style, uh, a solo trip for you in the deep snow in the big mountains, huh? Yeah, so I mean, I I live in central Idaho and and uh, just hunt the hunt the mountains here. And I've like I was telling you earlier, I I've never really put out any videos or anything like that, and. I thought, you know, I'm just going to document this mainly for myself because, you know, I I try and journal some of my hunts, but uh, the video just does so much better, uh, and I can look back on that. And it, it was it was cool, you know. I I kind of cut it down to about 10 minutes, but I had I think I had like an hour's worth of video on my phone, you know, and I I wasn't. I don't have like the greatest gear or anything and I just kind of threw the video together, but yeah, it, it turned out good. It was, it kind of, and, and, you know, looking back on it, it, it kind of uh, documents how, how I hunt and it's cool to show people, you know, how to, what I do. And, uh, it's just fun. I love it. I love it a lot. So. Dude, it's super cool. The um, the the authenticity in the video, like I could really see the effort you put into it. And so, like um, this video, you had uh, your home state of Idaho, like a deer tag, and it sounds like you really get after those deer. And you went um, way up high where nobody else was hunting, where there was no tracks or anything, like up in the peaks, up in ten thousand feet, if I remember right, or at least ninety five hundred. And um, you took your uh, camp in there on a sled, and then you had um, a teepee tent with a, with a stove in it. Uh, those heated tents for the wintertime are just game changers, aren't they? 
Oh man, I I'll tell you what I I won't go back. Like once October hits and you know the bow season's over and that warmer warmer weather goes away, I am in that teepee tent with that stove. I mean, it just it's something about it being able to get in there, get warm, get dry, and and dry your gear out and just kind of reset. You know, um, especially on so a few times I got hit this year with uh pretty good winter storms you know here in central idaho we got dumped on a quite a bit and just getting inside that tent and being able to kind of hunker down for a few hours was great and yeah that that hunt was that it was awesome the reason why i kind of went was up in those peaks is the unit that i usually hunt um had closed earlier and so i had to actually hike through my unit to drop into the next unit and um it, it opens up or it stays open till uh the end of october so you know i actually hiked two or three miles up over the top of that ridge to drop just into the unit i could even hunt so and and it took a lot of effort it was it was cool uh it was definitely cool you know um that I wouldn't recommend the sled. I thought it'd be a good idea, but I, I got about halfway up and I was uh, to get up that ridge um, into that saddle. I had to side hill most of the way. And those sleds are really good to follow, except for when you get on a side hill. And man, it just kept pulling me to the side. And I, uh, and another thing is, you know, as backpack hunters, we, we use every, uh, you know, every space that we have in our backpack, but we, we have that limit, but in that sled, I just kept dumping stuff in there and pretty soon <laughs> I have like, you know, I don't even know. It was probably like 60 pounds, 80, 80 pounds. And I'm just a little dude. I'm, I'm like, you know, 160 pounds myself. So trying to get that up there was pretty serious effort, but yeah, for yeah. sure. It's it's amazing like how far effort goes in today's day and age. It's just like that uh, that effort and exertion just uh, separates you from the crowds, like and gives you a good chance of success. And that's exactly what it did on that trip. Like um, you took all your gear and all your stuff in there and made it over that ridge, and then started um, like it it looked like you covered some miles up on that ridge checking basins too. It didn't look like there was deer everywhere. Uh, but it looks like you finally found where they were hanging out. And when you dropped down to kill that buck, it looked like there was a lot of tracks in there. Yeah. So uh, if I can back up a little bit, I get, I got kind of a backstory on this. Um, I, so I had Tuesday through Friday off and I, I work a regular job, you know, like most guys. And, and, uh, so took some vacation and I, I started out Tuesday with the intention of just taking my camp in there. And dropping over the backside and being able to locate some bucks and and get a good feel for what's in there. And uh, I got about uh, the drive is about you know a couple hours from my house. And I got in there and my radiator had blown up on my truck. And <laughs> I had got a rock up in there and all my antifreeze was all out on the snow and it over it was starting to overheat. And I was like, oh crap, you know that that's a great way to start the hunt. But so there was a, a guy up there who hauled me out and then my wife and my boys took me back in to get my truck. So I kind of blew a day on that. And then, uh, the next morning 
I was like, I just, I want to be in there so bad. Like, you know, first light, um, just to locate those bucks. And so I got up at three o'clock and, uh, I had put some JB weld on my radiator and it held luckily that I, I drove my old, uh, 96 Ford seven, three up there and, uh, got up there about four thirty ish somewhere in there and hiked up over the top of that, that mountain. Um, the day before that, uh, I had started doing the video and, you know, just like we as deer hunters know mule deer hunters, we, it, if you don't know there's bucks in there, if you don't know there's deer, I don't, I don't spend, you know, I, I go in if there's deer, great. If not, I bail out. But I just wanted to know if there was any deer because I had never actually been in that, that bowl before. And so I dropped down on this ridge at this vantage point and, uh, and, uh, started scanning elevations. And the way that I kind of do it later in October when there's snow is I just take an elevation on topography and just scan that elevation all the way across the bowl. And then if I don't see tracks or anything like that, I, I just come down. 500 feet and, and come back and I just worked kind of a grid on the way down and I ended up hitting them about 8200 um is where those bucks were kind of laying and started picking up tracks and anyways it was just it was cool I was able to locate a bunch of bucks in there with that that buck I ended up killing and uh but the bad thing was um I had to hike out so I, I made a couple trips over that mountain, um, in 24 hours, you know, so uh, I had hiked out and I came home and got my gear, loaded it back up. And then, uh, the next morning, that's when I kind of, I, I did that, the serious effort hunt there. And, um, yeah, it was, it was great, man. I, the, I mean, the story's kind of told on YouTube, but, there's the little details. I just wanted to capture the authenticity of like really giving it a hundred percent and what it feels like. And, and some of the details I actually left out because I actually, when I killed that buck in the bottom, um, I loaded it up, up and I had had to snowshoe over the top to drop down in there. And by the time I hit the ridge, it was midnight. And then I still had, about two miles up the ridge and drop into a basin and then go up a saddle. And, uh, it was, it was really late before I got back, but man, it was so worth it packing that big deep timber buck out of there. I just, I just love that. That's, it filled my cup for the year. I, I'm good. So <laughs> Dude, <laughs> it was gotta, so fun. Yeah. It fit in like a great adventure. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Like, um, we're never sure what the challenges are going to be on a hunt, um, but we just know there's going to be challenges. And like having your a rock go through your radiator, like stuff like that happens all the time, whether it's, you know, like I had my dirt bike breakdown last year or the, the truck breakdown or flat tires or whatever. You know, it's like there can always be issues like I've had. um I did a hunt in Idaho one time when I drove down there and um, the first place I shut off my truck and then my truck wouldn't start and my battery decided to die on that time where I where I stopped my truck, you know, so it's like oh my you, you're never yeah. sure what the challenges are going to be. You're like this year, um, 
you know, we got this huge snowstorm in the valley and um, pushed the elk around pretty good, and it was good elk hunting. And, um, gosh, I just buried my truck in a snowdrift, and it took me half the day to be able to get out of there and get chains on and um, get back to the highway. And I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to get back to the highway or hunt those elk I had found, you know, because of those unforeseen challenges that didn't have anything to do with hunting. They were just about getting there. So uh, absolutely always an adventure, you know. And then that's – um. That's wild. You went like uh, did like a like a scouting trip or like a pre trip in there and found those bucks before you brought your camp in. So like it can be so advantageous to like go in light. Like I just love traveling country light. And sometimes that's day hunting like you did, but you end up covering a ton of miles and actually making more work for yourself. But you get to figure out if there's deer in there, if it's worth packing your camp all the way in. Or like a lot of times I'll hunt with my cap camp on my back, but I'll just go super ultra light, like 30 pounds and I'll, you know, I won't have any of the, uh, the, the, the comforts of a nice camp or anything. Like I'm just trying to cover country and find them, but that, that covering country to look for those things, uh, is so advanta- advantageous to be able to go light, just like you did, like finding all those tracks and knowing those bucks were in there and knowing it was worth it to take your camp in there. Absolutely. I, I agree 100%. That, you know, I have the, an advantage to live. I live right in the middle of the mountains where I hunt. And so I can, you know, before the time change, <laughs> it gets dark early now. But uh, um, earlier in the year, I can get off work and be at a vantage point within two hours, you know. And, and uh, I have these you know, I have, I have my locations and stuff that I go to and I can be there and, and, and see what's in there in an evening and just, just go for it, cover country. And it's, it's hard. You know, I, I try and pride myself and be in shape and being able to just go for it. And, but it, it really does pay off, uh, you know, without a hundred percent committing to one Canyon or one bowl. I just like riding the ridge finding bucks, keeping an inventory and then, and trying to put that hit list together, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's, I, I love going light. It's hard to go light when it gets colder, you know, yeah. there's a lot more gear, but, yep. but, uh, you guys, you know, with that high country early stuff. And I, I've really been trying to get into that too. A lot more is, uh, I, I really admire your, just, you guys just take off and go. I mean, just go forever. You have your camp, and uh, it it really does pay off in the end. Yeah, it so. does. Like um, living close to where you hunt, um, that is a major advantage. Like, uh, and two, like you you're not planning all your hunting time in one week. You know, you don't have a seven day window that you need to get it done. You know, like here in Montana, like a lot of our you know our archery season is six weeks, and then you know our rifle season is is five weeks. You know, and so like I have a chance to go hunt hard for three four days in a weekend, and then you know go back to work and kind of reset, and then go back out for another three four days but the the whole reason i killed a bull this year in my home valley was um i could just keep tabs on them like you're talking about like um absolutely you know i can go out the mornings before work and the evenings after work and and even you know i like to hike and get to a vantage point and see what's in there but if i'm working that week sometimes i don't have time where 
I'll just I'll just go set up on a vantage point and just see what's around and it it seems like uh, one of the biggest challenges is just finding them like uh, uh, deer populations and elk populations. They're not spread out all the way through country. They have like pockets of country where their numbers get condensed, where they really like, you know, and so like you, you've got to cover a lot of country with your eyes and with your feet to be able to find those spots where they prefer and where they like. And then you go in and you go hunt them and you find like a, a great big dark timber buck like that one you found, you know, but, yeah. um, it, it is, it's, um, it's super cool. And like you talked about being in good shape and being able to travel country, which is a huge advantage for us guys. Like, um, you know, we know because these big mountains take so much out of us to be able to climb up and to be able to cover country in them. But a lot of that is on the mental side of things too, isn't it? It's being in good shape, but it's having that drive to, to keep going or like you, that drive to take a 60, 80 pound sled into that country and set up your camp. Like a lot of it <laughs> yeah. is mental. Don't you agree i agree i totally you know um i i couldn't agree more some of the the you know if if i could just say something to anybody i i have some guys that you know get a hold of me and talk to me and some of my friends are just getting into mule deer hunting and that's that's kind of my thing like that's all i focus on they, they think i'm nuts because we have giant bulls here in, in this uh unit i'm in and i'm i'm just so focused on deer they don't they don't really it doesn't affect me too much but the the one thing that i do tell guys about the mule deer is is uh you got to be able to be comfortable in the mountain like that is the mental side that i i just uh, you got to be able to be comfortable being out there being alone being in the dark being you know basically just living like a buck and that's that's something that I, I've just, my dad has kind of instilled that in me when I was seven or eight years old. He took me to, uh, elk hunting and, you know, he's, he's a pretty hardcore guy. I mean, he just, he said, Matt, you're, you're kind of on your own this morning. Go, go look for elk, you know? And, and he'd be like, we're going to go, we're going to go check this ridge out. You just hang out here and wait for us. And I, I learned to be alone, you know, and learned to tinker around with the logs and, you know, go find streams and just, just be able to be comfortable. And you know what, looking back, maybe he did that on purpose. You know, maybe he, he kind of was teaching me how to just be part of the mountain. And, uh, that's, it really is a, a mental, mental game. You know, you start thinking about the boogeyman at night, you know, all the, <laughs> all that kind of stuff, you know, and, you just have to get past all that and then you can really focus on while you're there. And, and that's, that's to kill big bucks for me, you know? And, uh, I, I just, I, I get all wound up talking about it cause I just love it so much. I mean, the passion is there and, and that's, that's kind of, you know, why I, I just go for it because, because I, I only have, you know, four or five weeks to make it happen. And, and I just give it give it the best I can, but dude, that's what it takes. Spot on. Like I love what you're saying about being comfortable in the mountains, and and I think that just comes with time. Like spending time in the mountains, paying your dues in the mountains, and you do you have to be, get comfortable with it. Like comfortable with handling 
uncomfortable situations, whether that's the weather that comes in, the snowstorms, whether that's the lightning, whether uh, just the remoteness and being in the woods. And it doesn't feel natural at first. And it's it's not like um, and, and I'm a muley guy just like you. It's not like guys like us don't have fear. Um, you know, we do. Oh, have absolutely. Fear. We yeah. do think about <laughs> it in the middle of the night like um, uh, courage is, is uh, not being like uh, not being afraid of anything. Courage is being afraid and doing it anyways. You know, courage is overcoming those adversities and, and overcoming those challenges. And so, yeah, it's like um, we both have families at home and wives at home. And, yeah, we don't want to fall off a cliff and have it be the end of us. But you start to realize that you that you like this adventure in your life and that the, the wilderness and the mountains offer something that you don't get out of everyday life, driving to work and, and putting in your time. It just offers us like this unnerved world, you know, where – where your decisions directly affect your safety and and we get to to liken it and embrace it you know but you're right like when you say you have to get comfortable with the mountains like i think that's such a great point and i think it's yeah. just experience of spending time back there in the mountains and like i i even feel like um you know i trail run to train for the mountains but that means like and i'm i'm really fortunate too where i get i live you know, right in a valley, surrounded by mountain peaks, surrounded by 10,000-foot peaks in country that I love to hunt. And so, like, I can be to a trailhead in, in 20 minutes, or I can be to some canyons and coolies in, in 15 minutes and get in this trail run. And I always feel like it's it's paying my dues to the mountains, and it's like being in the, the mountains 365. And, like, for me, it's not about the miles. It's about the elevation, getting comfortable with climbing up and down, you know, having oh, no uphill yeah. or no elevation that scares me like just getting that day in day out but even though i'll only be in the mountains for an hour or two a day i'm there every day i'm getting used to it i'm getting used to you know we've got grizzly bears around in our wildernesses and you know they're around when we're running but you just like you get in tune and you get comfortable with the mountains and you're you're right like um you know, the mountains can chase you away pretty easy or you can get inside your own head worried about, you know, a grizzly bear getting you or, you know, you just think, gosh, um, there's no bucks around or it's easy to talk yourself out of it. But when you keep putting forth effort, that's when it pays off. And just like you did this season, like uh, you said, you have a few weeks to fill your tag. You just keep putting forth effort and, and it's it doesn't turn out every time like you don't find bucks every place you go and some of these big backpacking trips i'll go for days and i won't even see a buck like i know in montana i wanted to kill a, a high country mule deer in montana and it's not that easy we don't have a lot of mountain ranges like the elk outcompete the deer in a lot of our mountain ranges and their rock tops i mean i think i had to go scout 10 different mountain ranges before i finally found a mountain range where there was a lot of mule deer bucks where i could you know had a feasible chance at being able to bow hunt one you know and so like it's a lot of striking out but it's just that mental fortitude and just like you said like getting comfortable with the mountains yeah i you know i i couldn't agree with you more i i kind of found something pretty cool this year i uh so you you talk about you know being instinctive and you know kind of that primitive thought process and i kind of was i was thinking about that this year quite a bit and i ended up finding so we had killed my buddy and i had killed uh, a buck a, a nice like 170 buck with his bow he shot it at six yards off a cliff which was wow. the coolest thing ever How i cool. mean super super sweet 
And anyways, I was, I was excited for him. It was his biggest buck. And we went up there and got it all, you know, uh, taken care of and got it all packed on the back. And, uh, as we were heading down, we we're just coming off this, uh, ridge and we had headlamps on and I looked down and I, I found, uh, an old arrowhead, you know, an arrowhead with a busted tip. And, uh, you know, you're on public ground, you're supposed to leave them, but I, I picked it up and took a little video of it. And we, we kind of had a cool moment there because, you know, we, we as primitive beings, you know, we, we were hunting for food, but I'm sure there has got to be a few guys that were up there, you know, you know, Hey, that's a big one with horns, you know, let's, let's try and poke that one, you know, or whatever. And, it was really cool to see just the technology changes and all that, but it kind of goes back to being comfortable on the mountain, you know, just, it's almost like you just got to be more instinctive and, and go to that primitive, you know, uh, thought process. And, and then the next day, or it was like two more days after that, we were elk hunting for, for my buddy. Cause he had an elk tag here. And, uh, we were up on the ridge and I sat down and I was glassing across this basin and I put my hand down and there was another arrowhead and I couldn't believe it. Like it was like, it, it was the craziest thing. I've never found one in my life and they are here in these mountains quite a bit, but there was another one and I, and I've got it documented on video. It's, it's really cool. But for some reason this, this year has been, you know, kind of getting back to my roots and, and just thinking about, being more instinctive when I hunt and, uh, and it's, it's really paid off. I, I was able to kill a buck with my bow, with my boys, a real nice four point. Um, I ended up picking up that new V3 Matthews, which is sweet. It is the coolest bow. Um, I, I went with the 27. I know you go with the 31, but I, I love that compact, uh, setup on that bow and ended up killing a buck with that. And then this, uh, this deep timber buck that I have the video on, I was thinking about that almost the whole time. It's just like, Matt, you can do this, man. This is hard and, uh, it's gonna, it's gonna wear you out. It's gonna be, you know, but you can make this happen. And, uh, another thing as I was hiking back up, I got to the ridge and it was just pitch black and I was so exhausted by that point that I, you know, I, I took 20 steps and I had to just sit down and I just, I'd look up at the stars and then I'd get back up and just, and hike a little bit further and then sit down. And it, it's not easier, easy getting back up with an 80 pound pack or whatever it was. But, um, as I was looking at the stars, I, I picked out the constellation Orion. And I don't know if you know what that is, but it's, it's kind of like a, a mythical hunter. And then I don't know what it hit me pretty hard, just like, we as hunters, you know, we're doing something that, that, uh, is just an amazing feat, you know, and it's, it's brought us with all this technology. Now we got the world is just, is just speeding up, but man, that's what got us here is those is hunting, you know, gathering and all that stuff. And it, it's just, it's cool to be part of it, you know, and kind of go back to that. Man, super cool. 
Yeah, finding those arrowheads of our ancestors that were doing the exact same thing we were doing, you know, or were doing in there. Like I found a couple, you know, I found some, um, I found a couple like in this canyon by my place, uh, and it's, um, uh, uh, Gosh, I can't even remember the name of it right now. I'm drawing a blank, but it's uh, this huge canyon that uh, the Madison River runs down through. And, and in this canyon, Bear Trap Canyon. Uh, so in this canyon, um, there's all these cliffs that go down to the river. And I found this one arrowhead that was laying right in a deer bed down there. And so I'm sure oh back gosh, in the day, so it, was cool. a, it was a sheep bed. And I'm sure yeah, totally. that that Indian was shooting at that sheep and maybe busted his tip or the arrowhead buried in the ground. And then I found it there, like walking around with my butt. Oh, my gosh. And like, Did you, have you have you found any of those uh, rock, the blinds? There's no. a few of them around here. But, yeah, they're still around. But, yeah, it, that's so cool, man. Sorry to interrupt you. Oh, no worries. <laughs> no, it is like this connection with her ancestors that were doing the same thing that we were doing. And just like – you know, I think um, like packing your buck out, you're in this state of exhaustion, but also exhilaration. Like, uh, you know, what else in life pushes you to, to your absolute limits like that? And walking up that hill and taking 20 steps and having to sit down like like you absolutely absolutely did, you know, maybe what you didn't even think was possible at the time, but you just kept pushing and you got it done, you know, and it. To have like a passion like that that drives us, that pushes us to our our mental and physical barriers and beyond, you know, is amazing, you know. And and you're right, like um, you know, our ancestors hunting is the whole reason why we're here is them being able to outthink and outwit, outplay their quarry, like outsmart those animals and put a good arrow in them, and then be able to bring home that that meat to their families and feed their families and keeping them alive. And, and, and really like, um, you know, that's, um, you know, our real advantage of hunters is like, uh, is our minds and to be able to think and to be able to theorize and to be able to, to outplay those animals. Cause we don't have teeth and claws and can't jump on their back, but to come up with these weapons and, and even though technology has changed and, and even though, you know, we have these advantages. There's also more competition nowadays. And so the animals are pretty savvy as well, but it just still takes this next level effort. And it still takes like using our, our brain power using, you know, and you talked about the instincts, like you're right, like honing these hunting instincts and being able to trust in them to go to like this, this flow state where you're almost not like, um, you're not breaking down consciously thinking of every decision you're making. You're just reacting to the situation at which you're given. And you keep like adapting to that situation because you may make the best plan to kill a buck and you're going to come over the top and come to this rock and come to this tree and shoot him from there. But you get over there and it's way different. And maybe you can't see that entire buck's body or maybe you realize that, oh, the wind switched over on this side of the canyon. I got to come farther right now. And so you're like constantly adapting but you're you're like getting in this this flow state and in this flow state you're not thinking about anything else in life you're thinking about hunting and trying to kill that buck and, and it's extremely challenging you know and so like when you're immersed in that you can't think about anything else and being immersed in that I mean that's just as good as it gets like um 
you know, for, for guys like me and you and for the guys that listen to this podcast, it just doesn't get any better than being able to make a play and being able to, like, match wits with, um, you know, these animals that have evolved from thousands of years from avoiding predators, you know, us included and mountain lions and, um, you know, which are way stealthier than we can ever, ever uh, oh, yeah. uh, uh, be, you know, it's like, um, but it, it's just such a, a killer game that we played and it's tied directly to our ancestors and I believe that's to what buck fever is like getting so excited uh to get this opportunity and this chance like i think it's tied directly to our ancestors you know trying to kill that buck to bring it home to their families or trying to kill that that deer that sheep or whatever it is like that excitement um i don't get that from anything else in life but i sure get it from hunting i i do too it's it's something you know like you said before um it's something that you just like you have to, you have to experience it to, to understand. And, uh, you know, so for me, um, I'm not a very good shot with my bow at a target. And, and I tell, and my buddy, it drives him crazy because he's like, man, how can you kill these giant bucks? You know, I've, I've got eight bucks on the wall that are close to, you know, 180 plus couple, four, two hundreds, whatever. And, and I've, I've killed them all, most of them with a bow. And he goes, how the heck can you make that happen, man? And, and, you know, you're, and, and, and when I see you shoot, you're just not like, you're just kind of, anyways, you're, you're just, you're shooting good, but you're just like, I don't feel like you're like that professional guy, you know? And I, and I was like, I'm not. And, and I said, I said, this is what happens what once I get to that point where I drew my bow or I pull that scope up, it becomes instinctual. And, and he goes, he goes, I don't, I don't believe that, you know? And, and I was, you know, we just joke back and forth with each other. And, and, uh, on this, this buck he killed this year, he, he, uh, he snuck down on top of it. And, uh, actually, so the, the, the first shot on it, um, ended up, he, he snuck down and it kind of blew out of there quick. And, and he goes, man, I, I, I saw that he hit it and, and anyways, and ended up killing it. And, and, uh, when I got up to him, I said, what, what happened, man? He blew out of there super fast. And he goes, he goes, Matt, I had, I drew back on that buck and I, and I could see he was coming through and all of a sudden he just took off and my instincts just kind of took over. And he's like, I got buck fever. And, and I just, I let that arrow go just, you know, just instinctual. And it just met its mark. And I was like, that's what I'm talking about, man. Like you have to be in the moment. You got to experience that over and over again to get good at it. And it's, it's also, you know, controlling those emotions and, nerves and and all that but it, it's really it's a it's a cool thing when you can get to that point where you almost you almost recognize the opportunity as it's coming you know as that as that big box walking to you or you know you're you know that cliff ledge is right there and he's underneath it and it just becomes a natural thing once you've once you've got that but dude it's like that um that that kill switch you know it's, yeah uh, the kill switch and yeah. um and, and some guys you know it 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 
it takes time. Like anybody can develop it, but yeah, there's certain guys that that have it in spades for sure. Like that that kill switch, that decision making during crunch time, and and like you say, you know, being able to control your emotions. And I I like to stay present in the moment, but you also can't think about every decision you're making. You have to make a hundred right decisions to have it all go right. And so, like like again, you just it comes down to those instincts and making those good decisions. Uh, but not really thinking through them at all. You're just reacting to to the situation at which you're given. But yeah, dude, that's super yeah. impressive. Those um those bucks you've been able to harvest over the years, and um like a big part of being able to harvest those bucks is being clutch in the moment and clutch in the moment on your shot, clutch in the moment on your stock. Like there's a uh, a hundred ways that that we can screw up those encounters in which, you know, I, I probably accomplished all of them at one point or yeah, another, but have, it, right? I, I think like failure is a prerequisite and you do make mistakes, but, uh, you know, being able to trust your instincts and make those moves inside that crunch time and also, uh, you know, keep composed and, 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 and not make any of the major mistakes, you know, and, and you're right as it just takes time. And I think, um, you know, some of us are given more, uh, or or have it a little bit more than other guys from the start, but I also think it's a developed skill. And the more time that you get in range with animals, the more time you get comfortable with it, the more shots that you get, um, I think the better you get at it. Uh, so, like all those big bucks, I'm I'm sure you've probably screwed up just as many over throughout your years, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Actually, so here, this is the the pre-story to even the pre-story. So. Early July, just like most of the, the mule deer hunters around and, and you included, we, you know, we're out looking for bucks that we know that are going to become big bucks. And I, that's kind of how I've, how I've killed quite a few of these bigger bucks that I've shot is I go out, I locate them, I learn about them, you know, I learn where they're feeding, I learn their, their bedding areas, all of that. And, uh, over that next couple months and then August 30th comes around and I'm, I'm right on top of them, you know, ready to make it happen. And I ended up finding a, a good 180 buck this year. Um, and you know, same situation. I, I found him July 17th and I just, I visit him every day. I mean, that was my routine. Just go and visit him. I knew everything about him. I knew when, when, it's a storm. This is usually where he's going to head to, you know, um, when the, just, just everything about him. If you ever got bumped by anybody or whatever, I, I could tell where his kind of escape routes were and he'd take off for, you know, three or four days and then come back to his, his beds. And, uh, I, I knew the bucks he was with everything. And, uh, anyways, I, yeah, I mean, that was, that was my routine. And for the last, five years that's that's been what's happened is i um i do this and then august 30th comes around and i i'd end up killing them you know or or the 31st or hopefully within that first few days before they get any pressure and this year was a little different i actually i ended up (laughs) a few times getting in range and it just wasn't right and i'd have to bury my head down in the brush and you know, let him walk by or, or lay there with him, you know, 60 yards away until midnight and then try and work my way out or whatever. But, uh, ended up, ended up getting a shot at him and I, I, I missed him. And, you know, I, I don't know exactly what happened that 
it just I missed and it it kind of it shook me up you know like I I <laughs> I listened to your podcast on the Colorado hunt and man it it did the same to me I I got shook up for a couple weeks and my confidence you know and and that failure just it it hit me pretty hard because I've been pretty blessed the the previous couple years to to make it happen and uh it was good for me because I realized you know those animals are extremely smart and you know it doesn't always happen and and there's good things that come from failures for sure but uh I ended up missing him um I looked for him I blew him out I mean he he was gone and I looked for him for a couple weeks and then I had got word that he had got killed. Um, and so I kind of, kind of moved on. Um, and anyways, the day before the rifle opener here in Idaho, you get about a 10 day break, you know, between September 30th and August 10th when the rifle opens and the day before the rifle opener, I'm out, you know, looking around and, I just so happened to kind of return to the area he had been and he was there again. Like I couldn't believe it. Um, I thought he had died. You know, I thought he was out of the country. He was gone and he was there with, with his buddies back again. And, you know, lesson learned for me. I mean, that, there we go again, you know, that those bucks that they're going to come home eventually. And if they don't die or a cat kills them or something like that, they're going to be back. And I should have just kept, kept focus on that area. But, uh, so yeah. So I, I mean, I threw a game plan together super quick. I mean, I knew there was going to be guys all over that mountain uh, or around that area and, you know, in that, that spot. And, uh, anyways, I, I did the best I could. I got in there, got within rifle range and, and, and sure enough, there he was, this big old buck coming towards me and, I mean, it was, it was perfect. And, and I get, uh, I get kind of set up and ready and he just had to come, you know, like a couple hundred yards around this, this deal. And, uh, and I heard a shot go off, a rifle goes off right in front of me. And, and man, my, my heart just dropped like, and sure enough, I pulled my binos up and that sucker's hunched up. You know, he's all hunched up when you, you get a shot in him and he, he runs about 30 yards and tips over dead, you know, and <laughs> what a, that was such a, it's so not only did I miss him, but then somebody else kills him, you know, right in front of me. And, you know, I had to, I had a decision to make if, if I was going to, you know, throw a fit about it and be frustrated or, or just, or buck up and, and move on, you know, and. I decided, you know, just to be the better man. And I walked over there and I, I found the guy and he was an older gentleman and he, it was the biggest buck he's ever killed. And he was just ecstatic about it. And, and I, I walked up to him and I said, man, you got him. Good job. You know, I'm so excited for you. And he looked at me like I was crazy, you know, and he told me later, he goes, man, I would have been so upset if, if, I had told him the story, you know, I'd watched him since July 17th or whatever. He goes, I would have been so upset at anybody else if that would have happened. 
why are you, why are you okay with this? And I, you know, I kind of showed him some pictures of the bucks I killed and I said, you know, this is, this is special for you, but, but, uh, he was, he was cool enough to let me put a tape on it and, you know, get some pictures and he, uh, I helped him take care of it and haul it, haul it off and it worked out really cool. But anyways, I mean, yeah, we, the failures, a lot of us, you know, social media and, you know, just talking about stuff. We like to talk about successes, but there's a lot of failures and disappointments that come along and we have to fight through it. That's, and that's actually why this, this buck I killed, it meant so much to me because it was kind of a rebound and it was a proving grounds for me to get back on the mountain and, and prove to myself that, you know, I can, I can make it happen on bucks. I'm good at this. You know, and it, it just fueled that drive that I've got to, to kill big bucks. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> there's not always, it's not always a, a perfectly green on the other side. You know, um, there's, there's disappointments and failures on, on all of us, even the best of us, you know, man, so true. Man, so many good takeaways from what you said, Matt. Like, um, I, I love that you attribute a lot of your success to your scouting, to finding these bucks. Like, it's, um, being a mule deer hunter, it's a year round pursuit. It isn't just that four or five week season. Like, that's our time to get it done, but, uh, it's a year round pursuit of making sure that, you know, that we're, that we're fit and able and able to get in those mountains. And then, like, want that summer scouting is so important. And um, a lot of the big bucks I've killed have been because of of scouting or, um, two, you get to learn new areas. You get to learn, like you were saying, you have your go-to spots. And, and I'm always looking for new spots, and I love going to new places and figuring it out and scouting new places. But I can always return to these honey holes that I know bucks like to live in, that I know bucks reside in, and kind of see what's going on around there. And, and just like – the time you spent with that buck like um and the time that you've spent with a lot of the bucks you've killed to learn their behaviors and their beds and where they disappear to and and to learn like that's where mule deer hunting is different from elk hunting like mule deer really have a home range that they like and um there's different parts of the seasons and they will move from those areas but they like those home ranges you know and they do they return back to them just like that buck returned back to his home range that he was living at you know all summer long and he was back in there for that october rifle season you know they they get really good at living in small locations and and not every buck's the same like some bucks you'll find that'll live in a, a 300 yard square area or just one timber patch and then they've got their meadow they feed in and they live in one basin but then you'll find a different group of bucks that'll work two or three drainages that have their beds in each one of those drainages and their cover in each one of those drainages and like every mule deer just like every person has a personality and and you get to know his personality and you get to know the bucks that he runs with and and where they prefer to bed when they're in this drainage and they go up high and they go up in this timber but a, a lot of us killing these big deer is learning these big deer and even on the hunt uh like learning just their behaviors and what they're doing it isn't just finding a big buck and running after him and sticking him with an arrow it's learning these behaviors and trying to find like a like a chink in the armor you know trying to find a place where you can get the better of that buck or when he beds in a a good spot that you know you can approach you know so 
um, I, I just think that's so important what you stated. Your year-round pursuit of mule deer is definitely why you kill big ones. And then, like, I love your stories about failure because, yeah, I mean, I think um, – like uh, failure is a prerequisite and it happens to all of us. And the guys that are more successful have just failed more guys like me <laughs> oh, and you have failed absolutely. every different way from Sunday and we learn from it and it, it hardens us, but it's also our perspective on it. It's our perspective on it. Just like, um, you know, that buck that that guy killed that you'd been watching and hunting and you thought you had him and he's walking right to you. You know, like you say, you had a choice there and, and sure, you know, you could have thrown a tantrum and been really upset and, you you know, I'm I'm sure I've been there throughout the years. You know, a time or two, but you just learn throughout time that there there's gonna be failure, and like if you just accept it and move on, like you're gonna be better in the end. So you're happy for that hunter. You make him have a positive experience, and you know what? Like that's that's really good karma, and not that that's the reason why you killed that buck. You know, the the next buck you <laughs> killed, but still, it's good karma, and you don't let it eat at you. You know, and then. I also love like what you said about proving grounds and going back into that, you know, deep into that unit. I mean, that snow was brutal. You covered a bunch of miles. And like you say, you're trying to get back on the horse. And it's funny, even a guy like you that's killed so many big deer with his bow, with his rifle. It's like, um, you know, next year's deer doesn't know all the deer you've killed or this buck that you killed this year. Like, like it doesn't know your reputation or that you're a big buck killer. Like you have to prove it all over again, time after time. Like to kill a big deer is great. Uh, but next season, it doesn't give you any advantage uh, over that deer that you're hunting. Like you have to go out and make the right moves and the right decisions to put yourself in range and put another good arrow in that buck or locate another good deer. And, and so like it is like this proving grounds that even though – um, you know, we, we've had a lot of successes in our life. It's still like every season, it takes this iron mindset and this never quit attitude. And, and then, you know, back to those instincts, it just takes these, these instincts to be able to get in there and prove it again. But man, doesn't it feel good? Like, uh, uh, it's so challenging and so tough every year, every deer I've killed. Uh, but man, it sure feels good. Like when you climb the mountain and get it done and outsmart one of those, those big dark horn bucks like there's just no better feeling on planet earth and it it's cool that it requires so much of us it requires like full dedication like um you you have to love it because you're gonna have to put in a lot of work you're gonna fail a lot and um if you're in it if if you're not in it for the right reasons uh you're gonna get burned out and and success isn't gonna come but if you're in it for the right reasons and you love the process and love being in the mountains and love the challenge um, you know, then I think success is, is inevitable. I agree that, you know, so I've killed a lot of bucks, uh, a lot of big bucks. I mean, I shoot for 180 pluses. That's, that's my goal, but I, I do not, I do not overlook deer in certain experiences, you know, in certain situations because every deer is different. Like you're, you're talking about and every experience is different as well. And so, you know, uh, I, I'm not, I don't necessarily, I'm not always seeking score, you know, um, I'm just, don't let score drive you, let the experience drive you. And I've got a, I've got a seven or eight, you know, 150 to 160 bucks that were just, it was the experience that got me there. And, uh, you know, it, I, I just, I appreciate that, uh, you know, we can think that way too, you know, that it's cool to kill a 190 or a 211 or 
200, you know, but in the end, you know, you come home and it's the achievement of killing that, that buck, um, and making it happen and, and being, you know, uh, just giving it all you got. And it doesn't matter if it's a 150 or a, a 230. Well, well, let me back up there. <laughs> it does matter, but it, it, it's the experience too, you know? Um, yeah. and I, you going back to that, that's dropping into that Canyon. Um, you know, it's so a lot of bucks act similar, you know? So when I had located that buck the day before, he was in a timber patch. He was bedded right on the edge of the timber patch. And I could tell it was, it was 80, somewhere in the eight, 8,000 range, 8,200. And I could tell that he was, that was his home. Like that timber patch right there, it was dark draw. He had water right below him. There were some willows down there in the bottom. Um, he had an open hillside. It was a south facing slope. I mean, I could tell at that point that that that's where he lived, you know, and I could see the tracks all around it. And, you know, so I think success just ends up breeding success. Like I I could kind of feel that that was where he was going to end up even the next day or probably he'll, he would have probably been there for a couple weeks until the snow pushed him out. But, um, it was cool to be able to kind of fall back on that. So I dropped in that canyon, and I I probably would have killed him the day before, except I was cliffed out below me. Um, I had climbed through a saddle about uh, about a mile and a half up the ridge, over the top, and dropped down, which was super sketchy on <laughs> snowshoes. I yeah, I mean that side hill was so steep, and I actually cut out once or twice, and it, it was sketchy, but. I got out on that vantage point and found him and I found him. It was about four o'clock when I, I found him and I was like, I'm, I'm going for it right now. Like I'm, I'm dropping off here and I going down the right off in front of me and I was, I was all cliffed out. So I, I, I would have, I was trying for that night to kill him, but that would have been a rough night too. Cause I would have had to hike him clear back to the truck. You know, I didn't have a camp up there that night, but yeah, I mean, I just, we get, we get the fall, you know, it's, it's an all year pursuit, but we get those when we can carry that tag and it's legal to kill, you know, we, we got to be ready for it mentally, physically, emotionally, everything. And, uh, and it was cool for my, for me to prove to myself again, that I could, I could do that. And, you know, um, just go to total exhaustion. So it, it was neat. And, and I, I enjoy, you know, listening to other hunters experiences. I, this, uh, you know, talking to you and, and kind of getting more into the social world, you know, social media, Instagram, I've had a lot of opportunities talking to guys and, and everybody seems to, to be able to, to bond, um, in that manner is that we all fail. <laughs> we all, we all work hard and we all fail in the end. And, and then we all have successes and we can, you know, kind of come together in that. It's, it's just really neat, but yeah, come together and celebrate it. You know, it's, um, such a, a, a good crowd of like-minded people. And like you, like I haven't been on social media forever. I, uh, maybe the last few years, five years, six years, something like that. But, um, 
it's this amazing community, you know, where um, it's supportive and and um, uh, like you say, you get to celebrate other people's successes, and you know what it takes to be successful, and 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 you know it takes this this iron mindset and this next level effort, like what you put forth. And so when you when you see somebody succeed, you know, to be able to watch, uh, you know, your video, like this documentary style video of, of like uh, your trials and tribulations up there above Timberline, like in the deep snow, you know, with nobody else around. And that that TP10 is such a game changer for late season. Like we started talking about like having that stove and a warm tent. It just makes you feel human at night and able to get warmed up. And I know it's changed the game for me for late season, for sure. Um, you know, being able to backpack where others can't when it gets cold and, and cold takes a different kind of toughness too. It, um, you know, it's, it's really raw and, um, uh, you know, it, 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 it's tough to keep warm and especially out West, like anytime you stop, you don't get to sit on a comfortable vantage point for hours on end and be warm. Like that just isn't the, um, yeah. the, the scenario, you know? And so it takes like this different toughness and this different mindset. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, we, we are putting our safety in danger. We are gambling it, but we rely upon, you know, these, these mountain instincts that we've honed. Like, I know I can keep myself safe in the mountains. You know, you can keep yourself safe in the mountains. And so we're able to keep pushing, but gosh, you just, um, you're right. When like fall comes once a year, it just takes this constant effort. And, um, you know, you, you just, you don't see deer everywhere you go and it's easy to talk yourself out of it. And it's easy to think about the comforts of your house or the comforts of a warm truck and head back and, and throw in the towel. Uh, but when you've tasted that success, when you've climbed that mountain, like then you're willing to, to go through that to the other side. You're, you're willing to, to be out there in the cold. You're willing to hike throughout the night and put in that headlamp work, uh, because you know what those feelings of success feel like. And you, you're, you're willing to put forth the effort to find it again, but it does just take constant effort and fall comes and goes quick, you know, and those, um, these hunts come and go quick. Our days off comes and goes quick, you know, to where you really have to make the most of it and put out maximum effort. And, and these big mature mule deer, they're tough to find, you know, they tighten up their programs. They don't show themselves much during daylight hours, the later in the season. Of course, that changes once the rut hits. Um, but it takes like a, a next level effort. Like I just, um, I just arrowed a buck like a, a week ago or so. And, and, um, I was hunting the prairies and, and out there in the prairies, like they can get 180 inches, but, um, a lot of times these big mature five-year-old, six-year-old deer will be 160. And I'm fine with, like you were saying, the experience, like, uh, those, those bucks get me excited out there, especially when they've got the, the big bodies and the, uh, sway back and the belly and the Roman nose, you know, but, but out there, it's general rifle season right now, and it's tough. There's a lot of guys going hard, but I'm able to backpack back in there. But it's almost mind-bending, like the miles that I have to put on out there to be able to find my own oasis that, you know, I can hunt them with a bow back there and try to get a good arrow in them, you know. And so, uh, like, it, it's just um, every fall, every hunt. Like, uh, you just um, – I think you said buck up or cowboy up or whatever the case is. <laughs> yeah. Like, you just – like, man, you just got to get your mind right and just go, this is my chance. And whether I kill a buck or not, 
I'm going to put forth maximum effort every day, every morning, every night. Like I, I'm just not going to give in to the comforts, you know, I'm not going to give in to, to the truck or to a heater or to it. Like oh, I am yeah. going to keep it pushing. I'm just grinding it. I think yep. that's what it takes, man, is that grinders mindset. It, it, it never seems like these bucks come easy and it seems like they always take this next level effort. And that's exactly what you displayed on that, that hunt in the mountains and, and why I connected uh, with your video so much. I yeah. think. Well, thanks. I, you know, I appreciate it. Dude, I, I think I saw, I saw a picture of that buck you killed. Then you put one on Instagram or something like that a picture. Yep. yep. But yeah, that that's a great buck, man. And I, I admire that you, you go out in the general, general weapon season and and take your bow and you know and maybe i'll get to that point we'll see but i yeah it's it's been great and i i just love uh man this is mule deer is is the coolest thing i mean it's it's a great passion and it's a great hobby and sport and and uh you know we look forward to it and uh it's cool to cool to get get to know people you know Dude, amen. Yeah, we're, we're and we're all on our own journey, you know. And and um, Central Idaho is no easy place to hunt either, man. I mean, it's not like you guys have bucks running around everywhere. Like you've got good mule deer and good mule deer populations, but um, dude, you got to hunt hard it's, there. And man, big mountains are tough. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I have a lot of guys. You know, hey, I I want to come to Central Idaho. Can you give me any tips? And I I just say, you know what? Get in shape, man, because you're going to be hiking <laughs> your butt off for for basins and basins and basins because there there is not there's not a lot of uh, deer here, you know. But there there are some gems, and you know, I was I'm able to I've been able to kill a few, you know, and uh, it's it's cool. Just just give it effort, and, and it'll come. It'll come. <laughs> man, uh, that's the best advice you could give. Give it effort. Yeah, and that's totally it. And, um, and pay your dues. Like you just like, um, the more you hunt mule deer, the better you get at hunting mule deer, the better you get yes. to know them and know the species. And, and yeah, you have to yeah. look a lot of places where they're not before you start finding those places there are. But if you fall in love with the process, you know, there's no doubt you will get good at it, but you just have to spend time doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. <laughs> well, dude, um, Matt, it's been really fun connecting with you. Can you believe we already talked for an hour? We have already, man. <laughs> we, we could do this for all night. I, this is great. Yeah, well, uh, we, we do have to do it again. Um, you're such a, a, a Muley fanatic. I've really enjoyed getting to know you. Like This is um, this is made for a great podcast. Um, so, yeah, we got to do it again. I'm going to hit you up here in a, another month or two. You got any more hunts coming up? Yeah, so we – well, I, I don't, I'm not packing a tag anymore, but my dad, he drew a third season Colorado. So we're headed down there. Ooh, um, good yeah, you <laughs> it, it took him 14 years to, to get. So we're, we're looking for a, a big dog down there. Hopefully wow, it'll be you've fun. Got a, a good third season tag then. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty good one. And he's already actually down there right now. And, uh, he's been riding the horses around the unit, you know, uh, learning it and I'm, I'm going to be coming down. I think I'm leaving Friday afternoon and it opens Saturday. So we're going to, we're going to give it, we're going to, we're going to find a big one. I hope so. Dude, super cool. Has he been seeing some bucks down there? Yeah. Well, I, I haven't talked to him. He sent me uh, a spot earlier yesterday, I guess saying he was okay. 
And when my dad says an okay, it's uh, that's about all I get. So who knows? He could be seeing <laughs> giants. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, that's a tough generation, isn't it? They just built those oh, men different. Gosh. Like uh, and, and and I definitely want to emulate it as, as the same as you do. But man, they built that generation tough, didn't they? They are tough. They are, you know, it's if we could be like them and with the technology we have now, we'd have twice as many bucks on the wall. I feel they're they're just tough people, just tough guys. Absolutely. Well, good on you, dude. That ought to be a really fun hunt to go try to help your yeah. dad find a slammer. And sounds like he's been waiting on that tag for a while. So um, you guys yep. will have fun down there. How many days are you going for? Uh, I I gotta go. I gotta be back. I've used most of my vacation already, so <laughs> I feel you I gotta, there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, I do. So I'm, I'll be back. I I'm driving through the night Tuesday to be back Wednesday morning to go to work. So yeah, it'll. But uh, what four days, four or five days? So yeah, hopefully we can get it done. You know, he's he's kind of a he, he's killed some giant bucks too. I mean, I I've learned from him, and so. I, he's holding out for <laughs> a big one. He told me he's so I killed a 211 and I beat him because his his one biggest one before that was two 207 or 208 or whatever. He goes, I'm beating you this year, man. So we're 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 gonna try and beat 211, but that's that's gonna be a tough tough one to try and beat. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big deer, but a, a lot of killing a big deer is like knowing what a big deer is and having a few yeah, of those totally. big ones under your belt where you can pass up like a because 180 on the head looks giant you know oh, and that's tough giants. for any of yeah. us mule deer hunters to pass you know but uh to know what a big one is and have a few under your belt like that's when you can you can really start to push that envelope and um kill some of those yeah. giants so yeah good on you guys well i'll be pulling for you uh matt again i've really enjoyed the conversation we have to keep in touch touch absolutely hey all thanks right. for having me all right guys that's a wrap again just fun conversation with matt i really enjoyed that uh yeah just one of that 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 next generation those up-and-comers you know that get to get to i mean i guess i'm uh get to learn from us guys you know and 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 just evolve the process and get better and better but that guy goes all in man i mean uh, hunting that Idaho backcountry is not easy, and he consistently produces good bucks. Uh, just psyched to get new guests on the podcast as well, and um, you know, uh, uh, be able to have these new conversations. So yeah, I'm just pumped. Um, I really appreciate the support from you guys. Uh, listening in each and every week uh, means the world to me. So thanks again for the support. Uh, thanks to Eastman's for their support. Make sure to check out everything we have going on with our Beyond the Grid TV shows, Eastman's Hunting TV on the Outdoor Channel. Uh, check out both magazines, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal. Again, the promo code for that is Elevated321. And um, yeah, our internet research tool, Tag Hub. And then also, you know, this podcast. Thanks so much for checking this out, subscribing to it. Uh, the, the reviews. Um, really do wonders to help promote the podcast and and we're just still growing slowly but surely we're still growing which just means the world to me that um you know that this is a success um we're in our sixth year now as a podcast um just can't believe it time's just just flown by but i just want to continue to work hard for you guys and bring you guys the best content i can um so thanks again to matt uh for being on the podcast really enjoyed it um 
man, with that, I'm loading up this bow and all my gear and um, get in some work today. Got to put in some this big 16-foot wide by 8-foot tall slider. It's like a four-panel big slider. So I got to go figure that thing out, get that put in. We're trying to get this house kind of watertight for the winter. Um, it's only summertime access. So um, try to wrap this up, get the guys all lined out. And uh, rock and roll. I'm going to be chasing uh, rutting bucks with my bow. It just doesn't get any better for um, guys like me and you. So um, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. With that, I'll check in with you next week.